So let's continue with our quest series that we've been doing. This is week number three, called The Quest, and the quest that we are in pursuit of is a quest for the uncompromising insight of God's wisdom and in learning how to honor God by walking in the wisdom, honoring God in, in, in our work, honoring God in our words, honoring God in our wealth and, and, and with our lives in general. And, and to do so, we are in pursuit in a quest for uncompromising insight and wisdom into God's word. In Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn there. We're going to read verse 15. Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17. It's where we are instructed to walk in the wisdom of God. Verse 15 says, See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So do not... Be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. To walk carefully means that we are not as fools, but as wise. And to walk carefully means that we are walking precisely. We are giving accurate and precise and close attention to the steps that God is ordering us into. And we are paying attention to his leading, his guiding, his direction. Wisdom is the principal thing that needs, and uh, therefore we are instructed to get wisdom. And our our, uh, quest for this wisdom, the ability to live life skillfully, begins with the word of the Lord. Our first week we looked at the book of James in chapter 3, where James gives us a very stark contrast between worldly wisdom, the wisdom of this world, which is central and it's, uh, it's, it's manifested with confusion, and every evil work is there. And obviously, we don't want that in our lives. We don't want evil, and we don't want confusion. Rather, the wisdom of God, it's known as it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's without partiality. There's no hypocrisy in it. So I encourage you to read that in James chapter 3. A very stark contrast between the wisdom that the world offers compared to the, the wisdom that God makes available to us. So we shared that from James chapter 3 to help us to really understand what the wisdom of the Lord is. You know, again, being coupled with the peace of God and, and so forth. And so... The second week we looked at, uh, talked about, well, where do we begin this pursuit? Where do we begin this quest for wisdom? And of course, the number one place for us to begin this quest in search of the wisdom of God is in the word of the Lord, in the Bible, becoming familiar with God's word, being a student of the word of God. Second Timothy 3 tells us that the word of God, you know, it, it's, it's inspired and it's profitable for doctrine and for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. And we are to be, it's the word that has made us wise for salvation, even from our childhood. So God's word is always the primary source to go for, for God's wisdom. We talked about the important role that prayer has in, in searching for wisdom. Don't discount prayer. Again, the book of James in chapter 5 talks about if any man lacks wisdom, excuse me, in chapter 1, in verse 5, it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord who gives to all people liberally. 
So God will give us wisdom liberally. He's not holding back. He's not trying to confuse us. He's not trying to keep, us, keep our eyes blinded. But he has made his way, his purpose, and his will known to us. You know, some people like to camp out in some of the scriptures to say that God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I don't know who can know. But if you keep reading those passages of scripture, it says, but he has now revealed them to us. He has now made them known to us by his spirit. So when you read that in the book of Corinthians, you realize that, yes, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But, he, but now he has revealed them to us by his Holy Spirit. So we have access to the wisdom of God. If we would have as much faith in the wisdom of God and accessing the wisdom of God as we do series... Series, blah, 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 blah. And then with series responds, we go, wow. <laughs> well, thank God for series. It may help you. And it does help. It is, it's, it's good information. It's good information. I had a couple in our church that had a medical emergency just a few weeks ago, and they were out of town, and they were traveling to another city, and this was a, a serious event was taking place, and, and, and uh, the husband was trying to, to Google for the nearest hospital, and the wife grabbed the phone from him and said, <laughs> said serious, where's the nearest hospital? <laughs> and within a couple of minutes, they were at the hospital, and thank God they were, because you know, the young man was having a heart attack. And he's fine now, but thank God. Amen. Amen. So series can be helpful. But so is the Holy Spirit with us at all times to lead us, to guide us, and to direct us, and to, and to reveal God's thoughts and God's plans to us. Don't feel like you're lost because you don't have your phone. There's no one to ask. There's no one to, you know, there's, how can I know? How can I, how can I hear? Well, James said, if you ask God, ask him in faith with no doubting, he will give you wisdom and he'll give it to you liberally. We looked in First Chronicles how, how uh, when Solomon became king, and the first thing that he did is he, 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 he petitioned God for wisdom to lead this people. All of a sudden, he just overwhelmed him as a very young man. With, we don't really know what his skill sets were, but uh, somewhere he had enough word given to him that he, he said, wow, I have all this responsibility. I have all these resources to steward. I have all these people that I'm in authority over. God, give me wisdom. And the Lord responded and gave him the wisdom that he asked for to lead the people. And so the word of God resources you with wisdom. When you don't have access to the word, be in prayer. God, ask God for wisdom. He can, he can reply to you, and he, he'll lead you, and he'll guide you, and direct you. Then the third place that we told you to develop your, your quest for wisdom is by association. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and, and learn from me. Learn from the master himself. He will teach you. 
He didn't say, now you just be out there and struggle and just, burn, you know, just, just flame out. But he said, come to me, I will teach you. And so always keep, uh, be in association with, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. Be in association with your local church. We looked at Ephesians chapter 3, and we recognize that the Apostle Paul said that the, one of the purposes of the local church, Jesus said, I'm going to build the church, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And, and Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he said, it's the church's responsibility to make the manifest wisdom of God known to the principalities and the powers. The church, the church. Are you a part of the church? Are you a member of the body of Christ? So the church, the local church, as well as the universal church, but here as a local church, it is our responsibility that through my life and through your life, as you go out among your family, you go out among your spheres of influence when you leave here, that you are manifesting the wisdom of God. It's God's desire that just as Jesus manifested the wisdom and the will of God when he walked on the earth, now we are the body of Christ on the earth. God wants his wisdom to be manifested on the earth through you and through me, through all of us collectively together. doesn't mean I have to know everything, but I know some things, you know some things, the person next to you knows some things, and collectively together we are manifesting the wisdom and the will of God for his expression in this community. And that should not feel overwhelming to us. That should sim- that simply, uh, you know, t- to simplify it, you know, to take things that are, that m- take things such as the wisdom of God and make it understandable. That's simply every time you decide that you're going to walk in love and you're going to walk in forgiveness, you're going to be generous, you're going to be kind, you're expressing the fruit of the Spirit rather than the, the works of the flesh, that is manifesting the wisdom of God. God's wisdom is being manifested through you. Recognize that. It's a manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God manifested to a lost and dying world through you. Through you. I didn't intend to read this today, but I'm going to go ahead and come back and read it. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul was given the, was given the revelation of the grace of God, the dispensation of God's grace, which means the time that we live in today until the church is raptured, we're living in a dispensational time known as some people refer to it as the, the church age, others refer to it as the age of grace, and therefore we came up with the name Grace Church. In case you're wondering. So we are politically correct there. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. The Apostle Paul is saying this, To me who am less than, less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold, or multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known by the church. God's wisdom, manifold wisdom, made known by you, the church, to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. 
So it's an awesome responsibility that we have, but we're not doing it in our own flesh. We're not doing it in our own strength. We are doing it by being in a quest to, to, and in pursuit for the wisdom of God to be manifested in us, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. And as he is in us, manifested through us, it's God's wisdom. We are the beneficiaries of it, but not only for ourselves. Notice we're not just pursuing wisdom so I can be all wise and you all have to come to me and get information from me. No, it's for all of us. And the wisdom that I have is not to be elevated above, above you, but the wisdom that I have and the wisdom that you have is to make God known to a lost and dying world ungodly people, people who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior should be intrigued by us. We shouldn't be the laughing stock. We, they should be intrigued by us. They should be very inquisitive. Say, wow, they're always at the right place at the right time. They have the Midas touch, if I may use that phrase without offending anyone. Everything they touch turns to gold. They prosper. They're enjoying health. They seem happy. They're peaceful. They get along with one another. And that, you know, but before the world's going to be intrigued by all of the above, we need to be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I know what challenges lie ahead. I know what mountain I'm climbing. I know what pit I'm trying to dig myself out of. But in the midst of it all, I'm experiencing a peace. I'm experiencing a joy. I'm experiencing a confidence. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You notice we're supposed to walk through it. We're not supposed to camp in it. As I'm walking through it, the wisdom of God walks through it. Too many Christians want to camp in it. And, you know, decade after decade, they're still in the valley of the shadow of death. Well, how long are you going through this thing? You know, walk through it, learn what you need to learn, and go on with God. If you go through it the second time, learn some more. But walk through it. You don't camp in it. You go through it. So association, keep associated, be connected to other believers with the local church, uh, through relationships, through fellowship. Uh, Proverbs 13, 20 tells us, walk with wise men, you will be wiser. So hang out with wise people and you will be wiser. So again, back to Ephesians chapter five, it says, see that you walk carefully, accurately, give close attention to your life, not as a fool, but as a wise person, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Another motivation, another motivation for pursuing to be in the quest for the wisdom of God is because we are living in evil times. We are living in this world. We are living among the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness of this world. Satan is the God of this world system. We are we are in this world, we are not of this world, but the principalities and the powers of this world try everything within their arsenal to depress us, to, uh, to restrict us, to keep us from fulfilling, fulfilling the will of God for our lives. And so we're living in evil times. Paul wrote to Timothy and said that, uh, that in these last days, know that in these last days, times of stress, Perilous times, the King James refers to it, but it's times of stress. How many times have you ever gone, have you gone through a week lately where you didn't say it yourself or hear someone else say it, oh, I'm so stressed? It's a common 
phrase anymore. Oh, it's been, it was a stressful day. It was a stressful time. It was a stressful week. It's been a stressful year. Well, we're living in times of stress, but we're not to be stressed by the times of stress. We're to be pursuing and be in a quest for the wisdom of God. God's wisdom resources us for the ability to make wise choices that we overcome all the stressful things that are pressing down on us. They keep pressing, 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 but the wisdom of God is going to pop right up out of there, right into the will of God. You're going to have a wise Answer, you're going to have a wise solution, and, and you're going to say, wow, I made the right choice. I made a really good choice. I was really feeling stressed, but this really turned out beautifully. And you're amazed at how well it turned out. You know, you start getting puffed up, and you start, wow, you know, I'm, I'm really something. Well, you're not really all that much, but God in you. <laughs> the wisdom of God. So keep walking, keep your shoulders square and your head high and your chin up because you really are something. You're the apple of God's eye and he has been made wisdom unto you. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 30, this Jesus has been made wisdom unto us. Well, if he's been made wisdom unto us and he's been made wisdom unto you, he's been made wisdom unto me and we are in a quest for that wisdom to be manifested and we're not getting ourselves in a funk where everything about us is just, you know, it's just, we're just constantly trying to fight the forces of darkness. Every, every moment is a battle. Every moment we are wrestling principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, and the spiritual host of wickedness is what is referred to in Ephesians chapter 6, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling against principalities and powers. So the struggle is real. It's not, not here to condemn anyone or to make you feel guilty for having a struggle. I wrestle against, against principalities and powers. And I get confused and I start wrestling against people instead of principalities and powers. Flesh and blood is not my problem. My flesh is not my problem. My spouse is not my problem. My kids are not my problem. My church is not my problem. It's the, it's the forces of evil, the forces of darkness that we wrestle against. But the good news is when, when I stop just being over, stop being consumed about the forces of darkness and I purpose that I'm going to be in a quest for the wisdom of God, just like Solomon at a very young age all of a sudden woke up thinking, my God, I have all this responsibility. I have all these people. I have all these resources. And he was in a position where he could really, real easy, have leaned upon his own resources and upon all the, the influence that he had. But he was wise enough to say, God, give me wisdom to lead in this situation. And God wants to give it to us. God wants to give it to us. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32, that, that, uh, that chapter there is talking about the various tribes and people and giftings that made up David's army, the makeup of his army, the multifaceted skill sets and so forth. It's worth reading the entire chapter. It's different tribes and their different skills and their different responsibilities. But the one group that it makes mention of in verse 32 is, is the sons of Issachar. And the sons of Issachar says of them that they had understanding of the times. The uniqueness about the sons of Issachar is they had understanding of the times to know, and we say to know. To know. 
If there's any prayer that I pray a lot without really praying it or articulating it, or I just think it, or I might say it out spontaneously when I'm by myself or whatever, it's just to, uh, to know. God, I want to know. I need to know. I want to know. And what they, wanted to, what they knew here is that they understood the time to know what Israel ought to do. So I believe that you and I can be on a quest for wisdom and receive wisdom that we know what to do for our lives. We need that we know what to do concerning our family. We know what to do concerning health. We know what to do concerning finances. We know what to do concerning relationships. We have, we have a knowing of what to do in the time that we're in. Now, this is the time that you're living in. It's not yesterday anymore, and it's not tomorrow yet. You're living right now, and you can have wisdom to know what to do right now. That's what the sons of Issachar, that was what was spoken about them. They had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. So the next time you're having that moment of, I have no idea what to do. And the only thing that I can remember is Yoki Bear saying, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, that's not very helpful. But how many times do you feel like that? I'm at the fork in the road, and the only thing that's coming to you is like, Take it. <laughs> take, take it. But we can do better than that. And the Holy Spirit can do better than that and, and is willing to do better than that when we are on a quest for wisdom. So the quest for wisdom, understanding, to know our time and to know what we as a people ought to do, to know what we as a local church ought to do, a seeking, a pursuit, a long search for something, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, the kingdom of God, that is the wisdom of God. That is his wisdom. Don't, don't be worried, but seek first the kingdom. And it goes on and talks about there in Matthew. Most of you may be familiar with that passage, if not, I encourage you to read it, but it's talking about not worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. It says, after all these things, the Gentiles, meaning those that do not even have God in their lives, those are things that they seek after. But if you will seek first God's kingdom, seek first the wisdom of God, all these other things will, will take care of themselves. They will be manifested in your life if you'll seek first the kingdom. Be on a quest for the wisdom of God. Proverbs 1, Proverbs 1 and verse 5 says, A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will acquire or be on a quest for wise counsel, and he will receive that wise counsel. So a wise man will hear and increase with God's word, with God's word, this is a question, with God's word resourcing us with wisdom that enables us to live life skillfully, why do we find ourselves in less than favorable situations so frequently? 
1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. Jesus has been made wisdom unto me. The Holy Spirit abides within me. God has resourced me with wisdom. Why do I, more often than I like to admit, find myself in an unfavorable circumstance, an unfavorable situation, or in a dilemma where I don't know whether to turn right or left? I just, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm in a funk. I, I don't know. Why do we get, how do we get there? How do we get off course? How do we get off course spiritually, physically, economically? You know, when we get off course, it just causes stress. It causes, you know, uh, weariness. Nancy and I were on sabbatical back in November and December and you know, you all are thinking we're out there just loving on each other all day long and just enjoying ourselves. And, and uh, isn't that sweet? They could just be together for two full months and not have any days of work. But the one particular day, some of your marriages may not have made it through this particular day. But we decided we we're going to hike Mount Mitchell, the highest peak on the East Coast. And we're excited about hiking Mount Mitchell. And of course, we, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking Mount Mitchell's going to be a piece of cake. I just hiked out of the Grand Canyon just a few months ago. So if I could hike out of the Grand Canyon, which was an eight-mile hike with a 4,000-foot elevation, certainly I can hike Mount Mitchell on the East Coast. But we arrive at Mount Mitchell after we had a little bit of a fight, even trying to find out where to get to the base of the trail. And then we get to the base of the trail. I'm expecting it to be, you know, lots of people because this is a famous spot on the East Coast and lots of people should be there hiking it and we're the only two people just loving on each other and, and just... <laughs> and it's not a sunshiny day like today. It's dark, it's dreary, it's drizzling. And we head out on the trail and we're working our way up and it's, it was just as difficult, if not more difficult, than the Grand Canyon because Mount Mitchell, we went up and back down. But we're going up, and sure enough, about three quarters of the way up, I was convinced that the trail is going this way, and Nancy said it's going this way, and Yogi Bear said, take it. <laughs> so I'm going this way, Nancy's going that way, I convinced Nancy to follow me this way, and finally she convinced me it's not the right way, and then we went the other way, and eventually we got to the top, and, and uh, this is supposed to be a beautiful panoramic view of the, of the mountains, and it was so dark and so foggy and so rainy, we couldn't see anything, so that, well, this is wonderful. <laughs> All this work, we're not really loving each other. It's cold, it's windy, it's rainy. And this is on sabbatical. You all are thinking we're loving each other. You know, we're like, just let me get back to my office and work on a sermon, do something other than what I'm doing. So we're up there, and you know, then we decided that, I'll be honest with you, Nancy decided, I yield it to go this way, down, because it might be a shorter cut. And so we're going down, and it's steep. We're going down. Going down is harder than going up if you're not familiar with hiking, especially when the leaves are wet. And so we're working our way down, and we're down probably 30 minutes, 35, 40 minutes, and we decided, mm-mm, it's not the right way. This is not going to take us to the trail that we came up on, and we need to hike back up again to the 30, 35 minutes that we just hiked down, and we get back up, and we get reoriented. It's foggy. It's rainy. It's getting late. We're concerned. Are we going to get out of here before it's dark? We don't have equipment to be in the dark. We don't have flashlights. And so we're working our way down, working our way down. And uh, I don't even know why I told you this whole thing, but other than... <laughs> 
other than we get ourselves in predicaments that are less than favorable. And so we were in one of those less than favorable predicaments. It was getting late. Now we're getting concerned that it's getting dark. You know, it gets dark early in November and December, and, and uh, it's raining. We're all alone. There's no one else around. We're not having fun. We're saying, why are we doing this? We could just be back home. And, and, but we're in this unfavorable situation. But we got down. We made it. We made it. We decided it was pretty cool that we did it. You can check that off. We hiked Mount Mitchell. <laughs> so don't ask me to do it again. I probably don't want to do it again, but I'll do the Grand Canyon again, but not Mount Mitchell. So how do we get off course? How did we, how did we miss it? I really can't tell you how we missed it. Just, we just kind of like, just we made decisions that weren't the right ones. And we could beat ourselves up. We could beat one another up. We could sleep in the two different beds that were in the room, but... Thank God I think we had a room with only a king bed, but there's a big gap in a king bed when you go to a king bed and you're not getting along with each other. I mean, it's like, there's a great gulf between the two of you. So why are we having a king bed if I'm sleeping on the edge right here? I'm balanced right here on the edge. Like, I don't like you very much. You took me off. I don't like you very much, but anyway. So there you go. I was sabbatical. That was one day. but we're here to tell about it. How do we drift? How do we get off course? Proverbs 14, 12 from the Message Bible. says, a foolish person thinks he is right. He will not ask for direction. See, we didn't ask anybody. We just had our own map, and we, we thought we could do this. After all, we're pros. We hiked the Grand Canyon. Foolish person thinks he is right, will not ask for direction. He feels he needs none. He knows it all, is stubborn in his own way that leads to death. Now, we didn't kill each other, but the thought probably did cross our mind, but we didn't yield to it. So how do we get off course? How do we mess up? There's a neat story in Acts chapter 27. It's about the apostle Paul. He's on the, on, on, on the ship as a prisoner, and they were about to launch. Let's turn to it. Let me just share some of that with you real quick, then we'll close with this from Acts chapter 27. In verse 9, Paul's getting, it's on his voyage to Rome as a prisoner, but in, in verse 9 it says, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them. Everyone say, advised them. Advise. Did anyone here ever not heed good advice? <laughs> now, we're getting some good advice here. The apostle Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. So he's giving them some life and death advice here. I received advice that I ignored. And later I came to my sense and said, Wow, that really was good advice, and I need to take heed to that good advice. And, and, and it's worked out well but it would have worked out even better had I taken it sooner. And so, verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised 
to set sail from there also. There's that fork in the road. Paul's giving advice. Paul's giving advice. And the majority is giving advice to set sail from there also. If by any means they could reach Phoenix and harbor at Crete, opening towards the southwest and northwest and winter there. So we have two sources of advice. Paul, who I believe is, has heard from the Spirit of God. Jesus gave him the revelation of the dispensation of the grace of God that we live in. Paul is hearing from the voice of the Spirit saying, you know what, I don't think we should do this. I'm advising us not to do this. The majority is advising, if we're going to do this, we better do it now, and we better get there while we can. Do you sense, even today, when, when you're getting ungodly advice, many times it's coupled with an urgency. You need to sign it today. This offer is only valid today. It's only valid today. That in itself should tell you that I'm not going to sign it today. If it's not worth waiting until tomorrow, then it's not worth signing. So anyway, that's another What's the guy's name? Financial Peace, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> you, you can take that course to get, get that from Dave Ramsey. But uh, so that it's that fork in the road. Paul's advice, the majority advice. How do we get off course? You ignore, you get off course by ignoring good advice. It's not that we don't know how to do a budget. It's not that we don't know that if we put money away at a young age and keep putting it away over a period of time with compounded interest, it'll be a nice nest egg for retirement. It's not that we don't know that. It's just that we don't do that. It's not that we don't know how to eat. We just don't eat how we know we should eat. It's not that we don't know that exercise is good for us. We just decide that it can wait, and it waits. And then you wait, and wait, and wait, <laughs> and wait. It's not that we don't know, but we don't do. We ignore. So it's not that difficult. How did I get off course? How did Nancy and I get off course on Mount Mitchell? We didn't necessarily ignore good advice. We didn't have any good advice. We, we went into it blind. I mean, just thought, hey, we can hike Mount Mitchell's a piece of cake. Well, yeah, if you can see the trail markers and so forth, but if it's dark, dreary, cloudy, rainy, drizzly, and the trail is very poorly marked, it's like we didn't have any good advice to ignore. And that was probably the, the, the advice we did ignore. You should never go into things like hiking a high mountain peak without being informed. So we ignored that it's not that we don't know that we need to walk in forgiveness, that we need to walk in love, but sometimes our flesh just overwhelms us and we just make a decision, I'm not forgiven. I'm so tired of being the one that steps forward first, and I'm just not going to do it this time. But that's what happens. We get off course by ignoring basic principles of life. It's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. We just ignore the wisdom of the Word of God. And the flip side of that is we act on bad advice. They acted on the advice of the majority. They acted on the, the advice of the majority and the advice of the urgent. 
But everybody's doing it, and you need to do it now. If you don't do it now like everyone's saying you ought to do it, it, it you know, you're missing out. Red flag. Red flag. Numbers 13 is another beautiful story of a majority not always being right. Twelve spies were sent in to spy out the land and bring back report whether it's good and et cetera, et cetera. Ten of them came back and said, yes, it's a good land, but, 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 we are not able to go in because there's giants in the land. Two, one's name's Caleb and the other's name is Joshua. They said, yes, it's a good land and it flows with milk and honey. Let's go up. We can, we can take the land. The people decided to pay attention to take the advice of the majority. They took the advice of the majority, and they did not go into the promised land. They died off. The generation died in the wilderness. It was not God's wisdom. It was not God's will for them to die in the wilderness. It was God's wisdom and God's plan for them to go into the promised land. But they, they failed by taking the advice of the majority and taking heeding bad advice rather than heeding good advice. Say, well, how can I know? How can I discern the difference between the two? That's where association comes in at. That's where you have a parent to go to. That's where you have a brother or sister in Christ to go to. That's where you have a church to ask someone, another believer, ask them to pray. There's, there's so, so many resources available in the kingdom of God. Ask. Don't be that person that I just read about in Proverbs. Says he, he fools. He won't ask. He doesn't feel like he needs none like he needs any direction. We all need advice in different areas. If nothing else, we need to just be, uh, you know, you, you, may, you may be making the right decision, but you just need an attaboy. Someone else says, yeah, that, that, that's the right path. You made the right choice. Keep going. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Stay on the quest for the wisdom of God. He said, but Pastor Ray, I made some really bad decisions and I've taken the wrong path, I've taken the wrong trail. And he's, you know, like you said, it's getting dark and you're getting scared. God will bail you out. Turn to him, repent, turn to him. He's not punitive. He said, ask of me, I'll give it to you. I'll give you wisdom liberally. He wants to resource you with wisdom. He's not interested in you being stuck on a mountain someplace, having no idea which direction you're supposed to take. He wants to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. He's readily available to you. Wisdom in every area of your life, every minute detail of your life, he wants to lead, guide, and to direct you in his wisdom. No more stumbling in the dark. No more wasting 40 years in a wilderness or 40 minutes on a, going the wrong way on a trail and it's getting dark. We don't need to be doing that. We can be walking in the wisdom and the plan of God. We can enjoy healthy relationships. We can enjoy health, soundness of mind. We can enjoy God providing our every need as we walk in the stewardship that he has planned out for us. You read Proverbs over and over and over again, you'll be the best financial planner you can ever come across. There's so much financial wisdom in the book of Proverbs, so much relational wisdom in the book of Proverbs. It's referred to as a book of wisdom, wisdom's literature. It's in here. Be in a quest for it. Pursue it. Go after it. God wants to resource you with it. But it doesn't come by osmosis. It doesn't come by osmosis. Read it. Pursue it. 
Worship God. Be in a hot pursuit of God. You should look forward to Sunday morning. I'm getting together with the body of Christ, and I get the bonus of Pastor Ray. Amen. Get the bonus of a good worship set. Get the bonus of comfy chairs. Get the bonus of air conditioning. Get the bonus of a really, really nice church. should look forward to it. Amen. Free coffee. Free parking. But we do it because we're in pursuit of God. Amen. God loves you. He wants the very best for you. Come on back next Sunday morning. We're going to continue this on our quest for the wisdom of God and as it applies to our lives. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for your amazing grace, your goodness and your mercy, your kindness to us, Lord God, even when we take the wrong turn, we take the wrong path, the wrong trail, make the wrong financial decision, mess up relationally. Lord, your grace is more than sufficient. You are leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. Every valley of the shadow of death where it's just dark, it's scary, it's wearisome, uh, we, uncertainty, we don't know how we're going to come out of it. You rest assured that in the wisdom of God, you're coming out of it. He's bringing you through it. He's never leaving us. He's never forsaking us. He is with us. And that Jesus has been made wisdom unto us. I want you to lead Leaving here today, convinced that you have resources to the wisdom of God, that God has resourced you with the mind of Christ, and we have the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures to uh, inspire us, to, to build us up, to encourage us, and, and, to, and to cause faith to spring forth, and, and, and our minds to be renewed, and our lives to be transformed in, into the very likeness of God, and that we leave here today, and we are examples of the wisdom of God to a lost and dying world. With every choice you make, every word you speak, every decision that's made, you're manifesting the wisdom of all my God. It's in Jesus' name I pray over this entire congregation here today, thanking you, Lord God, thanking you, Father God, that the greatest decision, the greatest wisdom ever demonstrated that any of us have ever made is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. So you're with us here today, and you never accepted Jesus as your Savior. He wants to become your Lord, your Savior. He's forgiven you of your sin through his shed blood. You accept that through faith in him. And he will bring you into his kingdom, out of the kingdom of darkness. If that's touching your heart today, right where you're seated, seated will you just slip up your hand real quickly? We'd love to pray with you. Is there anyone in here this morning say, I want to get my heart right with God. This is the day of salvation. All right. I don't see any hands raised, so I trust you've done that. If you have any other prayer requests, some people would be happy to meet you up here and to pray with you. Enjoy it. Enjoy the rest of your day. The Lord your God be with you and keep you in your travels and your your whereabouts, whatever you may do. But know you're leaving here today with the mind of Christ. And Jesus has been made wisdom unto you, and you are representing him, so do it well. Amen. God bless you. We love you. And if you want to hear about the rest of sabbatical, you have to come back next Sunday morning.